The story of Esther is a story of the gospel, you could say, foreshadowed. Even though it's the 5th century BC, many of the Old Testament stories, in fact, the New Testament would, would argue this, that all the stories that you read in the Old Testament were written for our instruction on whom the ends of the ages have come. Uh, I'll remind you of 1 Corinthians 10, 6 and 11 that say that the wilderness wanderings of Israel were for our, our example. And then Romans 15, 3 and 4 tell us, really relating to the Old Testament, that the Bible was written for our instruction that we might, through the encouragement of the scriptures, have hope. When we read the Bible, we read stories about real people who went through real crises. This is a very tough and dark story, even though it's filled with satire and humor. The wicked Haman is the man who wanted to perpetrate on the Jewish people a full annihilation. He wanted to eliminate, eliminate them as a people group because of his hate and his pride. And how that translates to the gospel is that we have been under an evil decree or edict as well by the enemy of our souls, and Haman is a type or a picture of Satan. Maybe, uh, you know, you can take another step to Judas Iscariot. Judas betrayed Jesus, and he was trying to get Jesus, you know, uh, killed, but then he had regret. Haman ended up on the, hanging on the gallows that he had made for Mordecai. And his pride had become his undoing. In very dark times and dark days, when it seems like maybe God's not there at all, you may have noticed, if you've never read the book of Esther, that God's name is not mentioned one time in the book, yet his fingerprints are everywhere. And when you can't see God working, when things seem like they're so overwhelming that there's no hope, and who could ever undo the decree of a prime minister of Persia, Haman, second only to King Ahasuerus, well, you know that God was working. God used very human means to accomplish his will. The Jews were so overwhelmed by the goodness of God that they made a decision that they would begin a holiday because of this. And every holiday or holy day has its origins in something that happened to mark a time. In Joshua chapter 4, when the Israelites were told to put foundation stones representing the 12 tribes where they crossed the river, it was to mark a moment in the history of a people to say, God did something major and special in a hard time in my life. And we are to mark it with remembrance stones or memorial stones because we are people who forget so easily what God has done in our lives. In fact, I would tell you from one day to the next, sometimes God can do something miraculous and it doesn't take us long to forget how faithful God has been. And so every Sunday we come together, every time we come to the Lord's table, we celebrate the goodness of God. We are on holiday. We are celebrating Holy Day, if you will. And as we approach now quickly what we call the Passion Week, when we will celebrate Palm Sunday and we'll, we'll remember, maybe not celebrate Good Friday, and that will lead us to Easter Sunday morning. Christians, remember, we mark the time and we mark it in a very similar way to how the Jews celebrate the Feast of Purim. Some Jews fast during the feast, and then they feast. And the weekend that's coming up for us, Good Friday and then Resurrection Sunday morning, is really a time where we might think it appropriate to fast, and then Sunday morning is an appropriate time to feast. 
And what I want you to see from Esther all the way to the gospel is the, the gospel in miniature. The book of Esther is about dark times, unthinkable situations, and deliverance coming from two really unexpected people who were not religious uh, clergy. They were not well-known. They really arose from obscurity. They arose from the ashes to change a nation. And can I challenge you tonight to dare to be a Mordecai? Can I challenge you, no matter where you work, how old you are, what your station is in life is, whether you're a person who you know, goes to a church or you're in some sort of full-time ministry or whatever it may be, can I challenge you afresh to take your stand like Mordecai and Esther did? Esther was certainly afraid. And she, she made some excuses. She said, look, I haven't been summoned and I don't know what's going to happen. But the king extended the scepter, the scepter of grace, and Esther took a stand. And Mordecai and Esther, I want you to see, did it together. They were able to accomplish something great together. What would have happened to the Jewish people had Mordecai not been there? What would have happened to the Jewish people had Esther not been there? Do you know that one person in a nation or even in the world can change the entire course of history for good or for ill? depending on whether or not they're willing to stand by the strength that God supplies. Have you decided who you want to be? Have you decided that God could use you in any setting, in any context in which you find yourself for his glory and for the good of others? That's what your life's all about. Your life is to be used to glorify God. And so Queen Esther 9.29, the daughter of Abihail, with Mordecai the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm the second letter about Purim. Uh, Mordecai had put it out there to the Jews, and now she confirmed it. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact is confirmed, Matthew 18, 16. And so the letters went out. They sent letters to the Jews, chapter 9, verse 30, to all the 127 provinces of the, king, of king, the kingdom of Ahasuerus, namely, words of peace, shalom, and truth, a meth. Words of peace and truth. Man, that's what the Bible is really all about. And they established the, these days of Purim at the appointed times, just as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had established them for them. And just as they had established for themselves and for their descendants with instructions for their times of fasting and their lamentations. And the command of Esther or Esther's decree established these customs for Purim, and it was written in the book or in the archives. Somewhere along the way, parents, you and I are called to pass along the truths of the Bible. And Deuteronomy 6 tells us that we're to do that when we walk along the way. We're to do that, when, we're to write them on the doorposts of our homes. We're to put scripture into the hearts of our children. And when they ask you, why do we go to church? Or why do we eat the matzah and drink the cup? Why do, on Good Friday does it seem like a solemn event? And then Sunday morning we're celebrating. Why do we do that? this? Why does our family do this? Why do we do this every Sunday? There are some things that should be obligations. Yes, they should come from the heart. Yes, they should be done out of joy. But our society has, has largely lost what it means to be obligated to something to remember. That's why the Jews have seven feasts plus two others that we mentioned, Hanukkah and Purim, that puts us to nine. 
throughout their calendar year, they are really obliged to remember, and we need to do the same. We are to do this, Jesus said, of the elements of communion in remembrance of him. God says, don't forget. Don't forget why you're here. Don't forget where you're going. Don't forget that your life has divine purpose. My providence is working, even when you can't see it. And so the king, as governments do, he laid tribute on the land, chapter 10, verse 1, on the coastlands of the sea. And the book ends not with Esther, but with a focus on Mordecai, but they needed to do this together. All the accomplishments tend to of his authority and strength, the full account of the greatness of Mordecai, to which the king advanced him. Are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was second only to King Ahasuerus, and great among the Jews, and in favor with the multitude of his kinsmen. He was one who sought the good of his people, and one who spoke for the welfare of his whole nation. When our story is told and the last chapter is written there's going to be an epitaph written about you there's a story that's going to be told you are not going to live here forever each of us have a dash between two dates we are born and then we die and our life is lived for hopefully the welfare of others we are to consider one another philippians 2 is more important than ourselves we're to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. We are to look out for the welfare of others. We are to live our lives in service of the greatest king and to serve one another. And when the church does that, when the church actually does the work of the kingdom and puts God and his righteousness first and others under him and then themselves, when we, we decide that it is more blessed to give than to receive. When, notice Mordecai was second. When we realize that we're all second, God is first. We're all second. We live in a society that's going to tell you to put you first. No, that's not what life is about. That will actually end up bringing you misery. Chapter 10, verse 3 says you're second. And if you can realize that you're second under God, and that you're second in terms of, I'm going to put my spouse first. I'm going to put my church family first. I'm going to put my uh, children first, grandchildren. I'm going to put others before myself. Then you're going to begin to find out what life's all about. Some of you are saying, is that really what it's about? Well, that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, I came to give my life as a ransom for many. I didn't come to be served, but to serve. I came to give my life for my people. I came to rescue my people from a dark decree of death, to be betrayed by Judas, who said he was my friend, to be denied by Peter, but to know that when I was dying on that cross, I was doing it for the welfare of my people. I was doing it to save my people from destruction. You see, the story of Esther is our story. It's a story about a Purim people, a people now who can celebrate the feast in joy and gladness because the battle has been won. Amen? Jesus Christ defeated principalities and powers at the cross. He defeated Satan. He defeated death. He took your punishment and he was hung on a tree. 
just like Haman was. Haman deserved to die on the gallows that he had created for Mordecai. Jesus didn't deserve to die. And he was hung on a tree. And the book of Deuteronomy says, anyone, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. And the people, the religious leader said, if you're the Messiah, come down from that tree and we will believe in you. Come down from the cross. But he couldn't come down from the cross because he was taking the punishment that we deserved at that cross. He was taking the wrath of Almighty God. He was paying the ransom price, even for the thieves that were on his right hand and on his left. He was paying the ransom for you. And when the tomb was empty on Sunday morning, the dejected disciples and all the followers who were in mourning on that Good Friday and leading into that Saturday began to hear the happy news. God had turned defeat into victory. He turned an empty tomb into a pillar of light. The stone was rolled away. And because he lives, I will live also. See, these stories were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And the Bible tells us we're to learn from them so that we can spread the hope to the world that Jesus Christ brings full and final deliverance from the biggest enemies that we will ever face. I, I look at the news reports like you guys. I see the perplexing things that happen. And sometimes it just brings me to my knees in brokenness. But you know what I do know? No matter how dark the days get, no matter how hard your life gets, Sunday mornings are coming. Because there's going to be a day when this curse will finally be reversed. When we won't have to watch loved ones go through cancer. When we won't have to say goodbye to beloved friends and family and even some of you who have lost pets. Death is such a, a difficult reality. And if that were the end of the story, I think I'd put on sackcloth and ashes and just go around weeping and trying to escape reality which is what a lot of our world does. They try to medicate themselves from reality. But you don't have to do that as a Christian. Please hear me. You have hope. And that hope's the anchor of your soul. And look, there's going to be a day when Jesus comes again. This creation is going to be renovated. There's going to be new heavens and a new earth. You're going to have a new body one day. And you're going to live in a place where righteousness dwells where the wolf and the lamb lie down together, where the lion eats straw, where the kid will be able to play next to the hole of the snake, and there will be no harm in all my holy mountain. Some of us hear that, we go, man, that sounds too good to be true. And Revelation 21 says, write these words down, for they are faithful and true. Have you noticed in the book of Esther that everything's written down, they write it down, they write it down. I was listening to another pastor, and he was saying, look, we should write more stuff down so that our children and grandchildren know, know who we are and what we believed and what we fought for. It wasn't that long ago that I was in a city council chambers in the city of Corona. We were fighting that in God we trust be on a plaque in the city council chambers. And, and it was not a pleasant meeting and it was hard. And there were some people who were against us. But 
but, we, but it happened. And maybe in 50 or 100 years, somebody's going to ask the question, why is that there? And who were the people that fought for that? Or why is there a building at, on Arsenal in this little neighborhood? And who used to go to church there? And who were the leaders? And who were the elders? And who were the pastors? And who were the kids that grew up in that church that became the leaders and the missionaries and the pastors? Who, who took the baton of the gospel and, and decided to be Mordecai's and Esther's and Daniel's and Joseph's in their day? Would you hear and believe that you can be that? Some of you don't think you can, but you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I'm the last guy that should be standing at a pulpit. I, I did really not know the Lord at a young age. I had done a lot of wrong things, and in my early 20s, God called me. And from the moment that he called me and saved me and my wife at the same time, I felt an immediate tug to preach his word. I didn't know what that was going to look like, I didn't know how that would play out. But I'll tell you this, God is faithful. Trust him. And if you've not met him, and I know the room is filled with a lot of Christians, but if you don't know Jesus, you don't know the hope of that deliverance in Christ, that victory, then you can know him right now. So would you pray with me? Father, uh, thank you for tonight. It's been a fun night, a different night but it's been great. Thank you for this wonderful book of Esther. May you encourage people tonight that there is hope in Christ. That hope is never going away. You are faithful. What you started, you will finish. We know how the story ends, and so when it gets bumpy, help us to hang on. You never let us go. If you've not met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, something like this, this simple, Lord, pray it if it's you. Lord, I want to know you. Thank you for coming down to save me. Thank you for dying on that terrible cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. I put my trust in you. Would you renew my hope? Would you give me strength to live out my days according to your will? Help me to be a Mordecai. Help me to be an Esther in my generation. Help me to be brave when I feel like I want to crawl into a hole. Help me to stand when I feel like I just want to run. Make me strong in you. Lord, for this blessed, beautiful congregation, would you bless them and keep them? May your beautiful face shine upon them. Those who have prayed that prayer tonight or rededicated their lives or just needed some extra hope tonight, may you bless them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.